You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad and I recently saw something that piqued my interest. I try to keep an eye on the Irish Times for a few reasons. One is I love to do the cryptic concert, crossword every night as soon as the Irish Times hits its, its, um, its online edition. And uh, in doing so, I also try to keep an eye on some of what's going on. I saw an article which uh, talked about an organization called Care for Clergy. And as I looked a little bit more, I noticed that it was a cross-denominational organization that was being established in the north of Ireland. And I thought, reach out, find out what's going on, because this uh, is something that I know is very, very important. Because very many clergy, irrelevant of their denomination, are often very much isolated. And they live very much in alone circumstances uh, in some sort, and they also, despite being in a community, oftentimes would not necessarily be part of the community in the same way as a lay person. So I thought I'd reach out, and in doing so, uh, we're going to meet Gabrielle Farquhar, who is, uh, as I understand it, the uh, initiator of the concept, and we're also joined by Father Kieran O'Callaghan who is a redemptress, and he, while he is not part of the Care for Clergy, he is part of uh, something else we'll hear about, which is the Harbour team. So, um, Gabrielle, Kieran, Grimila Magad, thanks a million for coming along. Gabrielle, I'm going straight to you, as, the, the, as I understand, the one that kind of lit the spark, or got the spark going on this one. Tell me, what was the motivation, when did this come together, and how has the response been? About four years ago, Father Martin McGill heard me on the radio speaking about the pastor care for clergy. Uh, At that point, I was convener for a panel within our church, the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. Um, And when I spoke, when Martin spoke to me, he said, look, you know, we have the same issues that you've spoken about. And as a friend of mine, a Church of Ireland minister and a Methodist minister, would you be willing to join up with us? So we all met together and we met for about maybe three years trying to, to think of these issues. And to be honest, the first, the first two years really were more a support to ourselves as we opened up and spoke about the issues. And we thought for a while we were just coming out in circles, but afterwards we realized that we'd had a chance to talk in a way that we haven't had before. Um, and so the Harbour team was something that I felt was important, uh, naming it the Harbour team because the clergy, for one stop, um, forget to, to come into the Harbour. They're always out there paddling away, trying to, to deal with whatever's coming day by day. But we need to come into harbour. It's, it's part of the seven days of creation. We need to rest. But in that resting time, we need to be restored and and refreshed. Uh, we need to be able to open up. And so the, the group of us at the clergy team um, felt this was a good initiative. But the different thing about this is that it is across the denominations, purposely so, because some clergy are afraid to talk about their struggles. Um, They feel that they have failed God. They have failed um, their calling. And they feel if they open up to colleagues or to 
anyone in authority within the church that would kind of go down as a, as a black spot against them. Um, and finally, that confidentiality is a huge problem. Um, certainly, you know, in my experience, um, and I, I wouldn't say just in Northern Ireland, you know, I come from the South, so I've experienced both. I think people love to get a story, and if they get it first, they love to spread it, especially about clergy. So we needed something that was confidential and that people, if they could cross through the barrier of their own denomination to somebody they didn't know and was totally free of, of any baggage that might be attached to whatever they're going to say. So I think I probably said enough, and I think it's Kieran can maybe take it to the next stage. Right, Kieran, over to you and, and this before I come back with with something else. Yeah, um, well, Gabriel um, has put it uh, quite well there. It, this is an initiative of that initial of that uh, primary group, uh, Care for Clergy. So this team, the Harbour team, consists of four members. Um, uh, it's interchurch, so um, Presbyterian, Methodist, Church of Ireland, and and Catholic. Um, Gabriel said the image of the harbour is uh, a restful place that where people are paddling outside and come into the harbour. I think uh, some of the clergy are probably more storm-tossed outside <laughs> than paddling. Uh, and therefore, there is a need for, for this. Basically, it's a listening service. It's not a counselling service. It's a listening service where clergy can come and talk about whatever stresses and strains are going on in their lives. And again, um, when I was invited to join it, I was delighted because it was exactly that, an interchurch, interdenominational uh, grouping. Um, as I was telling you earlier before we went on air, that I uh, live in a place called Connard Monastery. It's a redemptorist monastery on the interface between Republican and Loyalist West Belfast. And we have had a long history of being involved in the peace process and in interchurch relations. So when I was invited to get involved with this, I jumped at it precisely because it was it was interchurch. And as Gabriel has said, uh, one of the, the practicalities of that is that um, clergy from any denomination can go to another denomination for that safe space. But also in the doing of it this way, we believe that we're giving witness to Jesus' own desire and prayer that we be one. So we are at one on this to offer this uh, listening listening space and that's what we hope it will be now as you come and, and we talk with you we've only recently launched this we had hoped to launch it some years ago but um, the covid virus got in the way and the pandemic and all of that delayed it so it really only has um, been launched last week really um, so it will take a little bit of time i suppose for clergy to come to know about it and then to, to, to utilise it. But that, that remains to be seen. There are a number of things that come through my head in all of this. First, on the internet denominational side of it, given that it's the north of Ireland, I'm not hearing a northern accent to start with. We'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> but there is often a, um, or is there, a challenge uh, in the environment that you guys are in, where um, what we would see coming out of the north of Ireland is polarisation and division, so that for the clergy to come together, uh, interdenominational, um, is it difficult to sell that image 
in the public domain or within your, your own communities. Uh, and I'm not talking about within the clergy, but I mean as you get out onto the street, particularly where you are in, in a volatile area here on, near, near in West Belfast. Well, I would say um, I, I, I'm not in a parish, so it's, it's, we would call it a mission church. I'm not in a parish. People who come to our church would be, I'd say, staunchly Republican. Um, they probably, though I wouldn't like to generalize, but probably most of them vote Sinn Féin, and yet they would be completely supportive of um, Clonard being involved in interdenominational um, kind of activities. Totally, and, and we would have a number of activities through the year where we would have Protestant ministers come to Clonard. The people welcome them warmly all the time. I would say what's really important uh, in, in a little project like this, and I don't know what kind of um, uh, public uh, recognition it'll eventually get, but we're living in a society here in Northern Ireland that really needs the people to have models for them, um, cooperation, mm-hmm. reconciliation, acceptance, tolerance, all of that. I feel, uh, though I'm wandering into the world of politics here, I feel that that kind of modelling is not certainly coming from Stormont at the moment. That's just my view. Um, but an awful lot of stuff is happening on the ground. Um, and I think communities are trying to, to reach across the barriers, not always motivated by religious purposes uh, or religious um, um, understandings, maybe just simply neighbourliness, social reasons, um, to reach across these barriers. I showed you before we came on air, the, the, there's the big interface wall just outside my room there between the two communities. In parts of Belfast, that wall has come down. In parts of Belfast, that wall doesn't look like it's going to come down for a long time because there is mistrust between the communities. So I think any kind of thing that is happening whereby um, people model um, a different way of relating is very important. And I think what the clergy are doing here is is quite uh, significant. It's much easier for me, I think, but let Gabrielle speak for herself. It's much easier for me to be involved in something like that than I think maybe a Protestant um, uh, member of the clergy because they they really have to stay very close to a community that may or may not like what they're doing. Whereas I'm more free to do this um, and there are no there are no bad consequences for me if people don't like it. But it can be a bit more a bit more daunting, I think, um, from what I've learned for for a member of the Protestant clergy. Right, Gabrielle. Yeah, Kieran, I think you're you're correct. And I'm retired now, about three years. Um, I don't think I would have felt as free to to be involved um, within the amount of press release we, we've just done if I was still in the congregation. Having said that, my congregation were very supportive of interchurch things that we did. But if I go to the bigger picture, my own denomination, if I went to the floor of what we call the assembly and said what I'm doing, I really could not guarantee I would get support. Um, From some of my fellow clergy, I'm quite sure I wouldn't get support. And that's sad. But... um, I think, I mean, in all my life, we go with what God calls us to do uh, and to be out there. Um, and, and part of that for me, too, I'm a member of the Corrymeela community. And so my life has been around interchurch um, things, but, but not even interchurch. It's the people for me 
It's getting down to the basis of the people. We don't have any support financially from anybody. And in one way, that is good. We're totally independent of, of any of the denominations. It just happens that we were ordained within each of the separate denominations. But we've had no authority, any of us. I don't know about you, Kieran. Maybe you've had to pass it by somebody. But Martin McGill, myself and the others, we have just done this ourselves. Um, and there's a certain freedom in that. And we, well, I certainly, and I'm sure the others are saying, we'll keep going until something or somebody stops us because we believe in what we're doing. Um, I mentioned that I wasn't hearing a northern accent. Um, <laughs> given, given that both of you are from Dublin and find yourselves in Belfast, would you say that that in any way, particularly you, Gabrielle, may have uh, influenced mm. your position to where you, you were willing to step up and do something mm. like this? Yes. I mean, for me, I was very fortunate to belong to a congregation where the ministers there and the leaders in the church was Abbey Presbyterian in the centre of Belfast. And from a very early age, we were involved in interchurch work. Um, we set up, for instance, a project in um, in Dublin at the time. It was in the, I suppose, early 80s when the inner city and where recession was really bad. And that our church in the centre of the city, a lot of poverty in around in the houses. Uh, we were involved with St. Francis Saviour's, a Jesuit um, um, church there. And the young people, we worked together. So that was the norm for me growing up. Um, and we had a project then for, uh, we called it the Horticultural Workshop. And, and I love this one because it was the All Hallows. Mm-hmm. in Duncondra. Uh, the garden there, which had been run by Bertie Ahern's dad, <laughs> um, he had retired, Con, and so this garden was sitting there unused. And so we came up with this idea that we could run this horticulture for people who were young people or not unemployed, um, and also for ex-prisoners. Um, we got our supply from the Church of Ireland house, which backed onto it. I at that time worked for the Methodists, um, and so we were totally interdenominational. And it's always been practical for me. So so this is the first time, I suppose, where it's being interpersonal. But yes, it's just natural for me. I don't know about Kieran, what your experience was. Well, my route to this was very different. Um I was born in Dublin, but I grew up in Dundalk. And Dundalk, um, I'm sure many of the listeners will know if they're familiar with Ireland, is just south of the border with Northern Ireland. So once the troubles started, um, there was no way we were going near Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland could have been Uzbekistan for all we knew in, in Dundalk. So the troubles raged for 30 years and we stayed safe south of the border. We did. So Northern Ireland was really um, an unknown quantity for me. I suppose at my age now, I look back on the formation I had when I was a younger person. And I'm not suggesting that people were in any way um, malevolent. But I grew up in an atmosphere and in terms of school and all of that. You know, Catholic, United Ireland, Gaelic speaking. That's the way the world was going to be. 
if Protestants saw the light and Unionists just grew up, we would be at peace. So six years ago, mainly because we closed one of our big communities in Dublin, um, I opted to come to Belfast because I wanted to see what was life and church like from the perspective of Belfast and Northern Ireland. And I would have to say it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I regret that it didn't happen earlier. Um, so I love this place and the people I know are just wonderful on both sides of the community um, that I've come to know. And as I got to know um, particularly people from the Protestant Unionist side of the of the divide here and saw that there was a very alternative perspective on things and on Irish history. Um, and I've been kind of learning about that and seeing things with new eyes. Um, I, I would almost call it a, a kind of a Damascene conversion uh, where certain um, scales fell away from my eyes and I could see things quite differently, um, hopefully not too naively. Um this is a much richer um, environment for preaching the gospel than I, I would have had hitherto mm. before. So for me, um, I just delight in it. Um, my community asked me to be involved in interchurch, uh, in interchurch ministry, and um, I wouldn't want to do anything else now. And again, as you said, Gabriel, it's not about interchurch in terms of the institutions. It is about ordinary people. We all get one chance to live our lives mm-hmm. uh, and we've tried to do those, uh, live those lives as best we can. And so for me, um, coming here to Northern Ireland, coming to Belfast, getting involved in this kind of, 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 of um, activity is, to me now, I see it as really central to being a follower of Jesus Christ. And I didn't have to check it out with anyone. I didn't have to get authorization from anyone. It was a free choice on my part. Um, to get involved um, with the Harbour team. But that was a consequence of what I was already involved with here out of our monastery. Mm. Coming back to something you said, Gabrielle, you talked about where, um, where it surprised me <clears throat> when you talked about confidentiality. Mm. Because the nature of perspective from the lay side would be that the nature of all your job is confidentiality, that mm. people share with you um some of their most difficult struggles mm. uh, so it it kind of hit me kind of said well here you are you guys I'd expect that you'd have this mutual understanding that was the first thing mm. and the other thing then was you know the fear of, uh, of what someone ta- thought because again one of the things I hear regularly in from people is that you know we grew up in a judgmental type church mm. church environment and that one would have thought that things had moved along or sorry i should say the perception was if you were a catholic it was a judgmental type of environment mm. but it wasn't as judgmental on the protestant side so this what you said kind of it, it jarred mm. with some of my perceptions mm. yeah I, I can see what what you're saying and what you heard um and when you reflect that back, it, it does make sense. Yes, a lot of our, well, all of our, our ministry, we minister and, and, and say and, and do practice confidentiality with our parishioners. But for some reason or other, that does not happen between the clergy. Um, and 
I, I don't know what it is, but I, I wonder sometimes, you know, if people think that, well, that's happened to them, it could happen to me. Uh, and so um, I'm certainly going to pass it on and, and I'm going to say, you know, look at them, look, you know, they, they, they they've got this problem now and, you know, they're not coping. Um, so, so they'll tell somebody else and tell somebody else. And it's a way of venting, I think, their own, their own fear that it could happen to them, um, and expressing it some way, uh, and also of saying that they're not like that at this point in time, while they may be. <laughs> we don't know. Now, I, I hope that makes sense, but I, I think that's one part of it. Um, you were saying about the judgmental side of it. I think us Protestants can be very judgmental of each other. <laughs> very judgmental. We, 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 even from the point of view of the extreme, um, and I don't like using this word because I think it's hijacked in one way, the evangelical side of our church, you know, asking people, are you a Christian? And, and I know rightly what they, what they're asking in that question, you know, are you saved? Um, and, Coming from the South, that wasn't really language we used. That to me was more a Northern language within the Protestant community. Um, and it is extremely judgmental. And my answer always would have been to them and still is. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus because I, I know rightly what they're looking for and they want to put me in a box. Um, so we are a terribly judgmental group. Um, I hope that's not a shock to you, but I think we are. <laughs> Kieran, what's your well, comment on that? Yeah, well, that's, that, that, that is quite interesting because we had a meeting um, to launch the, the Harbour team and there were other uh, clergy present at that meeting and this issue of confidentiality came up. So um, obviously I had never been uh, in a context where um, clergy, Protestant clergy were talking about this issue. So it was, it was a learning experience for me and an eye-opener. Um, as that this was um, uh, an important issue in setting up the Harbour team, that they would have a safe, confidential space. I found myself thinking that we, we Catholics have the thing called the seal of confession. And it's, you know, you can't break that come hell or high water. You cannot break that, that mm. you have to give that absolute confidentiality. And I was thinking to myself, well, uh, this uh, Harbour team would really need to have uh, a seal as strong as that for it to work. Um, and for people to have confidence in it. There was another side to confidentiality that came up uh, for me, which, again, was a learning experience because I'm not married, uh, but Protestant clergy are married. And very often clergy have to carry confidential matters mm. um, of their parishioners, of their congregations, and they can't share it. And they can't even share it with their spouse, um, husband or wife. So there's a loneliness in that, I think, uh, mm. that came up in, the, in in our conversation as well. So, again, I think the Harbour team would allow people to talk about whatever's going on in their lives, but also maybe give them a confidential space to talk about things that they're carrying as well, mm. um, and that it stays within a very strong um, uh, area of confidentiality that is, you know, that is that has a strong boundary around it that they can talk about that stuff safely and then leave it there. Mm. Um, that's what I learned uh, from our meeting last week around this area. So then you mentioned something else and I wanted to touch on, and that was, you know, within the Catholic tradition, you um, 
remain celibate or you're unmarried and within the Protestant tradition there are spouses. And that of its nature also means that there is the normal emotional support and the emotional trauma that can go from being within a relationship. And on the other side, you, Kiran, would have the emotional loneliness uh, of in, in, in a different way. Um, <laughs> that uh, The interdenominational aspect of it, uh, I'll come to you with this, Gabriel. Do you think that that presents itself as something where somebody within the Protestant tradition who is married may feel, well, you know, I can go talk to, to him because... Uh, he's not going. To, he has no wife, and uh, I, I can actually feel that little bit more safe. Um, and and uh, just it, it's it, it's coping with the different traditions. I, maybe can I just rescue okay. you from your from your listeners? Uh, also <laughs> say that she has uh, a husband. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just in case you no, well, uh, yeah, I, I, no, I said spouse. I used I used spouse yeah. deliberately. Okay, grabs, grabs, grabs. No, no, I just saved you. <laughs> Thanks, Kieran. <laughs> yes, uh, your question, really. Um, yeah, I think that's a fair point, and I think time will only tell if that happens. I I, I have wondered when a number of priests, for instance, ring us. Uh, because they know that that we're different, um, and we can they can talk to us. Or alternatively, as you suggest, that that a number of clergy might might contact Kieran um, because you know they know that 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 he um, is in a community and yet is, is celibate, and so you know it's highly unlikely that that he is going to break their confidence. Um, and, and that I think is behind what we're at in, in it being interchurch, church, uh, in, in, in giving that space. So yes, I think time will tell on that one. But it's a good point. The other thing that struck me when I, I saw this was that you guys are delving into an area which was nearly taboo, and that was talking about emotions. Um, that's not mm. a thing that, uh, you know, that, that was, I remember seeing a, a presentation by, uh, I, he was, was he, he was a Jesuit, John Bradshaw. Um, and he, he said he grew up in a family where if an emotion got loose, it was quickly grabbed and put under the carpet. Um, mm. and you know, <laughs> you know that in, in Ireland, we certainly mm. grew up in the, uh, generation coming out after the war particularly where men didn't have emotions mm. and uh, there was a certain uh, the, the only emotions that may have been on display may have been negative uh, I, know, I know things have changed so coping with that in the world we live in must be a challenge also and that people are now um, having to reach out and confront in many ways, and are being challenged to confront emotion. Yeah, I think a number of clergy, uh, certainly that I know of, um, are reaching out to spiritual directors. Um, and I think that is part of being open with their emotions. Um, and that's from all communities. I think the younger clergy... Um, are certainly more open to, to expressing their emotions than, than the 
older clergy. I think the older clergy felt they had to they had to put this barrier up and they had to be strong. Now, if they were if they were married, I suppose they they probably did share some things with their spouse. Um, but that was a that was a stronghold that was not broken. Um, so the emotion side of it is is new, um, but it's so important. You know, if we're dealing with other people's emotions. We've got to care for ourselves, too. And for some reason or other, the older clergy will say, we didn't have these problems in our day. You know, people talk about stress. We don't have that stress. Now, certainly, I think in our in our denomination, it was because when the clergy were training, they had to live together. They were in college together. And the majority of them uh, were young and not married. And they they built over those three or four years deep friendships with their colleagues and those friendships continued on. Certainly in my time, and we're talking about the last 30 years, clergy didn't have to live in because a lot of them were a little bit older. Um, they, in some cases, were married and they never built up those friendships. So I think that for us is where a lot of this has come up from. Um, they don't have those friendships within the clergy that they used to have. Now, I, I don't know how that equates in, in any other of the churches, but that for certainly is what I've seen in ours. And Kieran, what would you say on that? Yeah, I think it's a very interesting area you've raised there, um, Austin. Um, again, I think I could identify with Gabriel saying that maybe younger clergy are probably uh, trained better in terms of acknowledging and expressing their emotions. Certainly, when I was going through my training, it was it was it was it was on the agenda, but perhaps not high up enough on the agenda. But most people that we minister to on a day to day basis will engage with you um, mm. out of their emotions immediately. I mean, um, expressing yourself emotionally is 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 very strong in the culture. I mean, very often when something happens uh, and and an interviewer is talking, they'll ask, "How do you feel about this?" And you'll get, mm. "I feel this. I feel angry. I feel happy." So. On a day to day basis, when I meet people, they very often are at least initially expressing very strong emotions on the basis of whatever situation they find themselves in or whatever problem they're they're carrying. Um, I think um, it is very important that um, clergy who are carrying emotions um, that could be maybe the ones you described as negative, the ones that could be destructive to them. If they're feeling mm-hmm. sad or low or depressed or uh, overwhelmed or whatever, that they find some uh, way to 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 express that. And again, I would imagine the four of us on the Harbour team would try to help people um, to do it. Now, we're not skilled counsellors or anything like that. And I, we, we have an understanding that if somebody was in real emotional difficulty or had uh, some some uh, need for more professional help that we would point them in the direction of that. But I think it sh- if it works, if it works the way we hope it might work, then clergy should be able to say, express how they're feeling and mm-hmm. feel safe about doing it and leave it there when they go away. That's our hope anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a very good question. We're going to wrap up because um, uh, we're we've running out of time and I have a few other things on the agenda today. Uh, I'm 
Uh, it has been a real honour and a pleasure chatting with you guys. Um, I, I, I would hope that I could check back with you maybe in about, if I'm still doing what I'm doing, three or four years' time. Because, you know, I know it's going to take that long. Mm. That is. Before um, the fear that might be in some people to say, that to, to go and trust. Because mm. it's a fear of trusting. Uh, that's, and that, mm. as you say, Gabrielle, somebody relies on sees somebody else and that they got a benefit from and they mm. talk about the benefit mm. rather than the actual experience, that it will take time. Mm. But I, I would certainly mm. love to see your initiative get legs mm. and be there. Kieran? Yeah, well, I want to say thank you to you. Uh, I mean, mm. um, initiatives like this get legs, and the more people can know about it. Last week, I got an email from the correspondent of the Irish Times, the, the article that you eventually did read, and I put him in the direction of Gabrielle and, and Martin McGill. Um, so you know, you do not know, I do not know who will hear your program. Um, mm. And the word might spread to somebody back here in Ireland. There's this initiative up there in Northern Ireland. Who knows? So I will say thank you to you for taking mm-hmm. an interest and inviting us along to chat with you. Thanks a million, Kieran and Gabrielle. Thank you so much and for I'd taking the to- time. And I'd want to agree as well with what Kieran has said. Thank you for the opportunity, Austin. You're listening to Irish Radio Canada Home and Abroad, and we've been hearing about the Harbour team that are part of Care for Clergy, which is careforclergy.com, a website that uh, is out there. Uh, it's, uh, the Harbour team is in the north of Ireland, and it is there to take care for clergy. And it is a, a resource that clergy can reach out to and have a number of individuals cross-denominational that should they require some a listening ear, emotional support, someone to talk to in a non-judgmental, non-confrontational, non-threatening environment, the team was established to try and assist with that. And Elizabeth Hanna is here with me. And Elizabeth is a member of the team. Thanks a million, first of all, Elizabeth, for coming along. Delighted to have you here. You're a retired uh, minister, priest. Yes, uh, I had a church in Belfast most recently and retired from there. So tell me a bit, what got you hooked into the Harbour team? I suppose it's partly my experience. Um, I I came late into ministry uh, and studied in Dublin. Um, I studied for a master's in spirituality. Uh, because I had already done theology. Um, and, and so part of my training was spiritual direction. And, and I guess people knew that. And then I, I was invited um, while I was still serving in Belfast as a cleric. Uh, I was invited to become part of this listening team. Uh, I think you said Northern Ireland we would actually be available to the entire country of Ireland. Uh, all of our churches are, are active across the border. We, we, we don't we, we don't have a border um, in the Church of Ireland or indeed in any of the other churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said something that I find interesting. Um, 
in your own background. And that was that you had studied theology and you went on to study spirituality. And I've heard it said that um, religion is for those that are afraid of dying and spirituality is, is, is for those who um, want to live uh, or something to that effect. Um, and that one of the big challenges oftentimes is that um, religion has um, categorized, polarized people um, and that a wall has nearly come up between spirituality and, and religion. And you as um, someone who was there trying to encourage people in a spiritual life would have faced that challenge. But what struck me as interesting was that that challenge must exist even for the clergy. I think it does, yes. Um, and I suppose in an era where administration is becoming more and more important um, with data protection and all of that sort of stuff, it would be very easy for a cleric to get caught up in the business side of ministry and forget about developing their own spiritual relationship. Yeah, and I suppose the other way I put it, I heard that was that uh, religion is for people who are afraid of going to hell and spirituality is for people who have already <laughs> been there. <laughs> oh, I love that description, yeah. <laughs> because when people reach out to the harbour team, it's because they're going through hell. Yeah, we're, we're there when somebody is struggling yeah. and hopefully before the struggle gets too much. Um, we, we don't offer counselling, we, we, we don't offer um, professional help in that way. What we offer is a listening ear. Right. And then if someone needs professional help, we would be equipped to direct them to the, the appropriate channel. The other thing I find interesting is given that you would have studied again theology and, and uh, the nuances of theology, that the, your role on the Harbour team is giving you um, access to different traditions, people with yeah. different, and the richness that that must bring to you also. The, the commonality, while there's differences, the commonality, but the same uh, emotional and human richness. I, th I think it probably doesn't matter what tradition you come from. Um, the the pressures on a cleric are very, very similar. Um, and I think what we offer is the freedom to go to someone outside your own tradition. Um, because sometimes it feels a little bit safer to talk to someone who isn't part of the environment that you're part of. Um, so... I've lost the train of thought there. I have no idea what the question was. No, I'm, what I'm saying is that in a way it enriches you also, I'm sure, that someone from another tradition, that when they share their struggles, that what may have been perceptions oftentimes get blown away when you find that there's the common human struggle. Yeah, very much. And I suppose most clergy in urban areas, at least, uh, where it's 
it's possibly easier. Most clergy become part of a local clerical forum, which covers all the traditions. So from your, your own experience as a serving cleric, you've actually encountered in, in that fellowship uh, people from every tradition. And yet, oftentimes, the perception is particularly, I suppose, from outside looking into the north of Ireland, that there, the divisions um, that exist in the community are carried through at what might be a ministry level. And what I'm hearing over and over is that what may have been barriers previously in the years gone by, a lot of these have come down and that there's a tremendous support among the different traditions for each other. Yeah. Uh, where I was ministering in South Belfast, there was a long tradition of all the churches getting together and during Lent, all of the churches would share a common uh, study period. So it, it was a case of, um, I suppose, the clergy team got together and we went round the different churches in a rota basis. And whoever was the chair, suppose, or Church of Ireland person, then all of the events would have taken place in all the other churches. Um, and whoever was the cleric in charge of a church um, would perhaps lead the, the worship time, but a cleric from a different tradition would do the teaching. So it was very much an integrated, all of us working together, um, and all of our parishioners then, or congregation, uh, depending on what name you call them, um, all of them would have come together in, in this one very large uh, Lent gathering. And that still goes on. So, yeah, maybe from the outside, the perception is that the traditions are, are, are separate. But in actual fact, I think all over the country, they work together. And I suppose that is the foundation that is necessary, that if you're going to reach out to talk to somebody because you are struggling, you would need to have, in a way, that comfort, confidence level that has built up over a period of time. This is what you guys are doing. Couldn't have just dropped out of the sky overnight and, and be embraced. That there's obviously the building blocks have been put in place over many years. Yes. Yeah, and I, I suppose that's part of, of why we were chosen to become the harbour team because we have this background of already working together with all traditions right right well well i'd love to keep talking and talking i have to keep an eye on the clock i'm afraid and it has been a real pleasure meeting you and chatting with you and learning more and i want to thank you for taking the time and sharing um i've learned from it oh, i've enjoyed it i'm Apologise for being a bit late. No, but. no problem. So, and again, the website, if anybody wants to find out more, it's 
careforclergy.com and there's a, a tab along the top called Harbour Team. You can click on that and it drops down and it brings you to the members of the team that we've been chatting with today. And uh, it's uh, a wonderful resource and congratulations on the initiative. Thank you.